Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Roll the Ridge podcast. Um, I'm not going to be talking about greeting. Greeting cards. I've been just, I got called out. It's not greetings cards. It's greeting cards, apparently. Which, I'm sorry, you can shove your dictionaries and all that. Doesn't make sense. It's greetings cards. I don't care. You know, people people say, like, literally he's been kind of subverted now as a term. Yeah, and that's it. You know, these words change meaning, right? They, they, get, they get morphed. And greetings cards is, is acceptable. I'm not having it, you pedantic fucks. Fuck all of you. <laughs> Um, hi Ben Haynes, welcome back to the show. No. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry to get sorry to get in the way of your soapbox, mate. I do, I have to say I uh I was listening to that pod in the gym, and you know how with some podcasts, like I mean, obviously all of it's gold, but the, the joy of podcasts is that you are passive listening sometimes. And I had to go back what? two and a oh, half wait, minutes to be like, is saying- he still talking about greetings cards? Wait, mate, I, I need to... You're saying you, you passively listen to my my waffling solo diatribes. Not, <laughs> yeah. We're ending, that's it. If, no, you, if, you, if you've enjoyed today's pod, that's call it. Call it off. Yeah. Ben like, Haynes comment, subscribe. Him coming on here, Mr. N17 live. This is too big for the likes of me now. No, passive. No, is it? <laughs> you know, but you know... You know when you're just... You know when you're listening to podcasts, it's just one of those things that you do where you might, like 30 seconds will go past and you're listening, but you're not like, you're not laser focused on every single word and then suddenly something will jog you into into action. You'll think like, oh shit, what was I properly focusing there? And it was greeting cards that did that for me. (laughs) I could, I could ask myself the same question about those pods and I'm, I'm actually recording them as well, mate, you know, in terms of the focus, you know, I am phasing out on autopilot, especially when I'm talking about (laughs) Hugo Lloris and his distribution or something like that, you know, it's just, yeah. Yeah. But I should also point out there has been, it's not just greeting cards. It's also uh, trips to the countryside yeah. Uh, invariably, you might just drift off into a little bit about red wine, which always kind of catches me out. Not just in between player ratings, just the fact that you've been on a saucy glass of red. Um, it might just be that you need to go and take the cat out as well. Usually catches me. Because <laughs> oh, you'll come and sit, because the cat tree is in here. She'll come and sit in here and then just start scratching at the door the second I close. That's the thing about cats, right? They're, they're fine until you close the door and they're like, well, I, I want to have the power to you know come and go as i please oh shit anyway yeah but you're you like i i'm not a cat guy but uh, but i've noticed when I, whenever i've been to your flat your cats are actually they they're almost sounds like we're talking about defenders now doesn't it but they're almost dog like <laughs> they they're quite fr- <laughs> they're quite friendly aren't they they sort of want to come up and have a bit of a sort of they'll they'll flirt with you a bit yeah one in particular d- Dot is uh, she's definitely a dog cat. Do, uh, Dot. Do, you reckon, do you reckon this is what everybody is uh, 
listening to this pod for though, <laughs> yeah this five is, minutes in this is it and we're still talking about dogs cats and greet greeting cards if <laughs> that one for the pedants out there um mate like we went two nil down against bournemouth we came back we showed great spirit but and you, you know the drill with me mate let's before we before we wax lyrical about team spirit and all that stuff right do we need to first ask ourselves how we got into that position in the first place big time like it, honestly i think if people have sort of come here looking for a big slap on the back they've probably come to the wrong pod haven't they oh yeah like for, it, I, i'm i'm gonna do you know what i i would liken supporting spurs sometimes to having a having a scab that <laughs> it, it it's sometimes even though it's painful it feels brilliant to itch at it like and this is one of those like we, we, yes it's brilliant that we won the game we should have been two nil down what like I mean we just shouldn't have been two nil down and I I I sort of I, I can't remember at what point during the game that I texted you but it was driving me mad that we were at that point where we're sitting there and you're almost doing that thing where you're looking at the score in the corner of the screen and you'd be like is this actually happening like are we two nil down away at Bournemouth you know and that's not to disrespect Bournemouth but it's just like that just that just it just shouldn't happen you know and this is it right i think for people because i've seen a lot of people saying as it was happening well people will say this shouldn't happen but we're still playing all these useless players that have come on man like n- number one uh, there's been a big turnover in the squad right regardless of that our players are look, people get into their their own heads too much about certain members of the playing staff um other than Davinson Sanchez <laughs> and I'll, I, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll back that one up but where they they kind of they talk about them like they're they're a kind of a championship level they're not like all of our squad are, are they're still good players and we should full disrespect to Bournemouth we should be beating Bournemouth <laughs> we should not be 2-0 down to Bournemouth right and full disrespect it just it, it's funny because it, it it is that kind of lame thing, isn't it? Of you know, it's a it's a tailor two halves kind of thing. But it re it really really is because that first half, I was watching that thinking like, this feels like this feels like end game again. This feels like kind of Nuno era. The players are throwing him under the bus. They don't care. There's no fight there. There's nothing. And then to that second half, it's 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 unbelievable. So. Wh- what is it that causes this drop off with us? What? Why is it that we seem to see this farcical level of drop off? I would say, quite consistently down the years, different managers, different personnel. Is it a DNA? Does DNA even exist? You know, I hate it. I hate. I can't stand it. Like that. I. I. I hate that discussion more than anything. And do you know? I probably hate it because I maybe recognise there's an element of truth in it. And whenever I hear people talking about that idea of flakiness, I'm like, no, piss off. It doesn't exist. It's a totally different set of players. But it's when it, I suppose it's when it happens time and time again and people beat you over the head with that stick that you almost, it, it, it then is more enraging. The good thing is, is that we come out the other side on this one. But I did see your your wonderful tweet about Liverpool and about the end of days feel there at the moment. And and what's good is I, I definitely, I had a feeling with Spurs that it was like, just pull your finger out. Come on, just 
step it up a gear. We, we we were playing in second gear. Just even get up to third, fourth, and we'll win this game. You know, and that was what was frustrating. Whereas when you look over at Liverpool, it does definitely feel like it doesn't matter what they do, they're just in this really tough spot at the moment. Like it's not, it, it, it's going nowhere quickly, and that that to me reflects a lot of the things that we had with the end of Pochettino. Yeah. Sort of really, really looks like that you can bring up all the running stats in the world. You can bring up everyone's ages. You can bring up um, just kind of what, what people like ex- expected goals, maybe what expected threat, what people are meant to be doing and things not going your way. Some like Sometimes you just can feel it. And I think at Liverpool at the moment, it feels a little bit like they're getting there. I didn't have that with Spurs. I definitely like at two 0 down. I was like, guys, what are we do? like? What are we doing here? Like, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to throw Davinson under the bus too much. But I had to watch back their first goal about fifteen times just to make sure that he did actually intentionally throw himself horizontal and didn't in fact slip. Like I was like, did he? Did he actually try and do that? Was that his intention? Like, did he mean to sort of dive like that? And that just shows you that it's a focus thing, that it's just decision-making. Because if you look at the two teams on paper, we are miles better than Bournemouth. There's not a player on that. Realistically, and I, again, it sounds like I'm being disrespectful, I don't, I don't look at their team and think anyone gets into our side, even the team that we sort of played to, to make sure that we were ready for Marseille at the weekend. No, no not a single one. I mean, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't name a single one. Um... It's Kiefer Moore up top. Yeah, Kiefer Moore scored twice against it, us. But do you know what? The, the second, and it, we're such a meme in the respect that, like, you just know some big shit house centre forward. The second you see a name like that on a team sheet as a Spurs fan, you're like, <laughs> oh, for fuck. Uh, it's the real David Brent. Oh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> isn't it? You know, like, you see, we're wearing a white chiffron scarf as he comes to the. Oh, for <laughs> Like when fucking Burnley, and I don't think he ever scored against us, but when Burnley scored that fucking 14-foot bastard Weghorst or whatever he was called, remember him? No, but you know who did? Wasn't it, wasn't it, didn't we draw a game 1-0? And Chris Wood Wood scored their only chance of the game. Yeah, that is it. Is he at Newcastle? And it's the example... Yeah, and it's the it's the example that you always talk about as you knowing it was end of days with Ledley, with the guy from Norwich, mm. when you were sort of like, oh no, it's just one of the bigger boys just it's, roughing it's us up. Bradley Johnson, I think it was. Uh, it was terrorising. It might be, or was it Grant Holt? It might have been Grant Holt in his kind of like, in his one or two seasons of just mixing it up, just roughing people around. But it, it definitely... I've seen that. I don't know about you, but I've seen that first half from Spurs. I've seen that a lot of times. You start to read the signs, don't you? You know that that where they slide that pass down the line, people are out of position, and then it drops to Kiefer Moore, who is by no means like he's not an awful player, but he's not a ruthless finisher, is he? He's not someone. He's not someone. I think he had one goal this season before playing us at the weekend. Now he's on three. <laughs> like the commentator, the commentator said, he's tripled his tally for the season. And I had to do the, I had to do the maths about it. Like, is he actually tripled his tally for the season against us? For God's sake. Oh. But like he took it, he takes it against us so sweetly. You know, it just. The good thing was, is I did feel like once once we made the changes, I thought we're we're probably going to get the chances to win this game. It's just annoying that we had to get there. 
Well, I mean, that's part of the thing, though. This is, you know, for whatever my scepticism about him thus far, um, the thing that you you can give Conte is that, well, we we fought back, and that's something that we, that type of spirit is something that we haven't seen since Pochettino. So we are back in a place where we can, at least, if we if we are in that position, we can sort of think, well, we know we have it in us to fight back. We know we have the tools at our disposal. To, to come back from the edge, to come back from the brink like that. And, you know, if, if if Bournemouth went on and got a third or something like that and we trotted out a miserable defeat, that's when probably you could be more justified in thinking, ooh, you know, what's going on here? But we're not in that place yet, right? And when you really think about kind of the defeats we have had, I mean, Newcastle was not great. They're in, they're, I mean, they're in ridiculous momentum at the moment. You've got... Miguel Miron playing like, you know, Jack Grealish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ironically, yeah, enough. exactly. They've, they've kind of had this bizarro switch about. Which, do you know what? I, I actually quite like Jack Grealish, but I yeah. did think I, I I know there's kind of like there is banter and all that with footballers, but I just thought his comment in particular, the sort of thing that everybody's picking up on at the moment, was pretty shitty. Right? Do you know what I mean? I it felt a bit boys at the back of the bus, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I'm quite glad to see him having to eat sort of humble pie on that because his form is coming under sort of scrutiny at the moment quite a bit and his output, his end product is definitely under the microscope. So it is good to see. And I imagine somebody, you know, another professional footballer has probably heard that and it probably is inspiring like Almiron to play the way that he is right now. But- Mate, if I was Almiron, that would have absolutely got under my skin. To, to be... To be the archetypal symbol for a just bog-standard, trudging, rubbish attacking midfielder, I'd be like, no, <laughs> no, no. what are you talking about? Hang, That's hang on, fuck you, hang on, <laughs> who the fuck are you? Fucking Particularly with you are my temperament. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you, you and I would have like if we were him, we would have done it out of spite, <laughs> like not not because not because we wanted to be the best. We would have been like, no, no, I'll bloody show you, mate. And I mean, fair play. I don't know about I don't know about you. I think we got a I think we got a uh, rethink the Newcastle timeline. Really do. Oh, big time. I, I, I think it's 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 it, it's been catalyzed dramatically by good performances, but. Into, like FFP just seems to mean so little in 2022. I think we there really are, need to worry. They're a Champions League team within three seasons, I reckon. I'll give oh, it mate, three seasons. If, it, like if you think if you think where they potentially end up on this trajectory this season, you're probably saying right they're on the periphery sixth, maybe, yeah. possibly. Like it depends whether Liverpool pull their finger out. Which but I think they room... will. I do think they will. <laughs> Just what, what, like Champions League, pull their finger out, or or, or just kind of just about. I think Liverpool pull will push together something top four, probably to the wire. I'm not sure if they'll get there or not, but I think Liverpool will be in the conversation come the end of the season. They've got enough, haven't they? Yeah, they've got they they've got enough individual, and once Diaz comes back, etc. Jota, they that they've got enough to beat teams essentially. Is, but is the thing it, is, is it, it under Jurgen Klopp though? Then that's the question. Oh. <laughs> Oh, it feels it like, uh, like we've got a lot of mutual friends that support Liverpool. One in particular, 
um, that that I'm thinking of when I say this, but it it, it feels wrong to say that you, just as a general football fan, even though you'd be saying to your Liverpool supporting mates, are like, oh, mate, I know how it feels because we went through this with Pochettino. There's a really Machiavellian, horrible side to you that's like, yeah, <laughs> go on, soak that up sort yeah. of thing. <laughs> it's really bad, isn't it? Like, you can't help it, but you're just like, because it, it hurts so much of Poch for us that you kind of want other people to feel it as well. The only thing is, like, you would imagine they won't get it as bad because they won the lot under Klopp. You know, they can, they yeah, can look such a good point. back on that era. Because I, I, that was sort of the point I was trying to make in that tweet, is that, like, they, they, the difference is, and this is a pretty crucial difference, they can look back on the Klopp era having won the lot. We can look back on the Pochettino era having had some good times, but actually winning nothing. Um, which adds to that pain. But what we've seen out the back of it they still have to experience now the the kind of the hunt for it. who takes over Liverpool now. Who 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 do they bring in? Do they do they bring in kind of a an established name? Do they do they risk? Do they do what Chelsea did? Do they have a palate cleanser where they bring in Gerrard for a year or so? Even though he's he's been appalling at Villa, maybe that's what they need. Maybe they'll think let's just get Stevie G in, bring him in for a year, see what he can do. Like I say, like Chelsea did with Lampard for a bit, and probably sack Gerrard at the first sign of him sort of waning and bringing whoever, bringing the geezer it's, you know, doing all right with, um, who is it at the moment? Napoli, you know, Spalletti, stuff like that. You know, it, it, I don't know, who knows? But they have all that uncertainty. They have all that. They've got an aging squad now. You know, they need to rebuild it. They need to rebuild a squad in a certain manager's image or who's buying the players? What are they buying them for? It, it's all these sort of questions that, we're still finding our yeah we we are only just starting to find ourselves buying players with the intention of fulfilling a purpose for a manager which is Conte yeah you know and it's it it's all over the shop and it will be for them as well well it, it, it like we always go back to the same quotes from from Potch which I won't sort of bore everyone with again but it's the same interview of Gary Lineker that's been played time and time and time again one of the things with Klopp at the moment is that I feel like we're seeing those quotes play out in real time. Mm. You know, he's he's giving these quotes around no one can compete with City, no one can compete with Newcastle. He even referenced the he even referenced the the Newcastle director of football saying there's no ceiling for this side. Um and he's like, yeah, of course there is, because there's, I think it was Dan Ashworth he was talking about, but he's the, the guy from Brighton that moved there. Um, and he's like, of course there's no ceiling, because you guys will spend whatever you want to get there, and Liverpool can't do that. And so it's almost like he's laying the foundations for that discussion, you know, because where do you, I, I don't know where you go from that. I don't know, I don't want to get too existential already, but I don't know where clubs do go from from that place. Well, the thing is, do, do, the only... the, the, and this is the, half the problem with football, mate. The reason why it is so fucked at the moment is because the majority of people, or at least the majority of people that you see on Twitter, we do have to remember it's not the barometer of everything. But in terms of like the discussion we see on there, it just fell back down into the tribal. But oh, he's saying this, but he spent all that money on Alison Becker. He spent all that money on Virgil van Dijk, on Fabinho. He spent all this money on 
dickhead that they bought this summer to play up front. Nunes, Darwin, yeah, Nunes. Nunes. You know, but it's like, no, but look, the point, whether you like, whether you find this fist-pumping annoying, whether you find this surliness <laughs> in post-match interviews annoying, he, like, he is making a perfect point. He's, he's making the point from the perspective of a guy who has assembled, and people take the piss out of him. People say, oh, you know, one of the best Premier League sides of all time that only won one Premier League. But they literally were. Like, if we, if we don't be disingenuous about it, man. That Liverpool side were absolutely spectacular. They were brilliant. Oh, they're they, frighteningly they, good. They were easily one of the best Premier League teams I've ever, ever seen. The fact that they... It shouldn't be a stick to beat them with that they only won one Premier League title. It should be a cause for concern for everybody. Any Arsenal fans at the moment that kind of are watching what they're doing, they've built an exciting project and all this type of shit. There's every chance they don't win a thing with it, as we didn't with Pochettino. You know, it, and this kind of this beast that there is at the moment in Manchester City and soon to be in Newcastle, it should be a concern for everybody. And football, they need to... I was kind of trying to make this point in one of those like solo pods the other day is... The authorities, like not just with VAR shit like that, it's with these mega clubs spending money like this. Like, I, I, I know there is this kind of thing, and I think it myself to a degree, where they've got us, like we're trapped, we're never going to walk away from the game. But I do find myself to a degree losing interest. More and more people I speak to lose interest to a de- to a degree in terms of like the the kind of the visceral excitement of football. Is is waning because people are looking at these kind of super clubs now. I'm thinking like, well, what's the point? You know, and I, I do think the authorities need to start to realise they are by allowing this stuff to continue by by essentially lining their own pockets with these lucrative big deals and whatever else that they get for having players like Haaland and managers like Guardiola being able to spend whatever he wants in the Premier League to have this shiny, amazing kind of blockbuster product. You're devaluing it by by the very nature of what you're allowing them to do. You're totally devaluing your product because you you ain't gonna have like fans from across the world coming to watch a league where one team wins it all the time. And you can you can I mean I say that, but La Liga is one of the most watched in the world, isn't it? So you know I don't know it's shit. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 you but the point that you made is so spot on. The stars aligned for Liverpool. Like it wasn't just perfect coach; it was the unity of the fans alongside perfect coach, alongside the fact that they could sell Coutinho and then bring in the two missing pieces of the puzzle. The fact that Salah came into his own at the right time, and they had a window of three to four years, and they got one prem out of it. Like that, that that should be a worry for people. Like Miguel Delaney's written about this a lot of times, and at the beginning, when he first started writing about it, there was a bit of me that was like, "Oh, mate, just." bore off and it became harder (laughs) and harder and harder to to take that position on what he was saying because you then look across and you're like I started watching I started watching PSG all the time when when Poch was there because I wanted I don't know I just I think I was still pining for seeing that seeing him on the touchline and and still seeing that connection to a fan base and I was so unbelievably underwhelmed of the way that he was treated there and yet they still won the league like everything was going wrong for them and they still won the league 
And you sort of look at the way that things went wrong for Real Madrid and we talked about the Super League and yet they still win the league and win the Champions League. And you look across at Bayern Munich and nothing changes. And I mean, there's a little bit of change in Syria, but even still, in the most part, it's the same thing over and over again. I mean, I remember that with that Liverpool side, I remember watching them in, in 2019 and I was doing a little bit of work for, for Five Live at the time. I was, I think it was the early kickoff and I was doing a, a, a show and we were watching with the game and kind of commenting and analysing as it went. And Liverpool, uh, sorry, Newcastle, Liverpool went playing Newcastle. And Newcastle went 1-0 up after seven minutes. And I remember thinking at the time, like, that was the worst possible thing that Newcastle could have done. Because that Liverpool side was so ferocious. And the crowd was so sort of on edge that they're just going to rip three. And they ended up, Newcastle ended up losing 3-1. Like, it, it was it was an absolute battering. And then I, I remember thinking after that game, I was like, this Liverpool side are absolutely exceptional. They're something else. They're just, they're ludicrous. They're ridiculous. And yet that was only good enough for one Premier League title. Like it, it is just, it's, it's wild. And if we're not, if we're not careful, I'm not trying to be end of daisy about it, but if we're not careful, we could be in that. I know you've said it before, but we could get ourselves into that kind of, uh, the, the SPL sort of territory if the spending carries on in the way that it does and if things don't kind of slow down, which is, it, yeah, it is a little bit concerning. I, and I, then you start tugging at that thread, don't you? I, th I, th I know what you mean in terms of like not wanting to be end of days, but I think we it feels like we've kind of, we've had the Rubicon moment already. It's like, I don't see how it doesn't end up that way. The, the only way it doesn't end up that way is if Spurs are bought out by Jeff Bezos and United are bought out by... I don't even know some faceless billionaire that is just going to keep funneling money into it. But you, you'd imagine even with people that aren't literally backed by the mineral wealth of a nation, it's you're just never going to compete, are you? Because I, I just you there is there is no amount of lifetimes really I think conceivable in which the money that especially Newcastle have available to them could ever be spent. You know, it is it is literally limitless, endless money. St. James's Park will get done up. I don't know. It's going to be obscene. It's going to be obscene. Um, we've kind of gone on a bit of a tangent there. S sorry, yeah, I so don't no, know no, how. That's my fault. That's absolutely good, my fault. I think we've, we've both just watched The Banshees of Inner Sharon, haven't we? So we've both kind of... Yeah, we've, we've got a bit too existential. <laughs> deep, dark. We'll talk about that toward the end. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to get stuck into that and ruin everyone's evening that think when they see the duration of this pod is like an hour and ten or whatever. And they're like, it's all about Spurs. And there's about five minutes in there. <laughs> What did you make of Clement Longley as a central centre back? Ah, oh, I didn't know. I didn't notice this as much as you did. Like I didn't notice the the. I think my issue is that I have got the problem for people that haven't listened to your match reaction pod or were passively listening like I was. <laughs> um, <laughs> that the, the the discussion that you made about confirmation biases is, is so accurate. Like the, I'm, I'm really guilty of this, in that I get into. I, I sometimes have to snap my head out of um, tribal Ben fan mode. That's an 11 year old kid jumping up and down in the south stand. Like I have to come out of it for a second and be like, actually, what's going on here? Um, and I think I was so, I was so kind of frustrated with the way that we conceded, conceded the. the 
the goals that went in that I wasn't actually able to to look at Longley as a as a centre back and and have a valid opinion on whether he did well or not. The the real issue here is that I think we all know going into the game he shouldn't be in that position. Like Clement Longley is a left sided centre back if he plays, and Eric Dyer is is our central centre back, and we don't actually have the depth to switch that position around. And so I didn't I, I didn't notice it as much as you you did. But I definitely felt uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? I've done a horrible job of explaining that. No, no, I know entirely what you mean. I know entirely what you mean. I was like, this isn't right. What's going on here? But I wasn't, because of my own issue with confirmation bias and consistently looking at the players that I always look at and think, oh, please, please get this right. I then didn't look at Longley as an issue because I think he's a very, very competent left-sided centre-back. I mean, this is it. He's 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 a comp. If we sort of expand this out into the kind of the the wider conversation about Longley, he does seem like a competent player, right? And it we've heard this talk that there is going to be uh, well that there is a gentleman's agreement there. We don't have an official ironclad agreement to buy um, after the loan, but it, it sounds as though there is a gentleman's agreement that they will let us purchase him for an amount. Have you seen enough to really sort of feel that he's somebody that we should be spending 30, 40 mil on to bring to the club? Because to me, he just seems pie. It doesn't seem like a real improvement on anything that we've got. And I'm not... Do you not think... Oh, see, I, I, do, I do... As a left-sided I, I, centre-back, I do think he is... He's, at the moment, he, for me, starts in our starting eleven. But do you, do you see him as miles better than Ben Davies? No, no. I do, but but I but this is the this is the problem, mate. I think you. I don't know. I think we spoke about this in the summer, didn't we? When we spoke about the nature of our transfer window being mm-hmm. like almost a bit of a rising tide approach, mm-hmm. raising the standard of the overall team as opposed to turning around and going, "Wow, we've gone and signed that player that instantly takes this team from an eight to a nine. You know, and that's the overall feeling that I had with all of our signings this this summer. They helped the team across the board. It was a squad thing, and so Longley maybe just has his nose in front of Ben Davis right now. But I don't. I, that's that's not to say that Longley is the is the the best left sided centre back in the world. I just think he's he's slightly in front. I think the crispness of his passing is something that I notice. I think the quality of his ball control, just in terms of like receiving passes under pressure and stuff, I I feel pretty good with him there. I think we saw at the weekend where his vulnerabilities are. Like he, I remember seeing a lot of Barcelona fans saying that he, for a, for a lad that's pretty big, often strikers quite enjoy having a good battle with him, and, he, yeah. and they feel like they can get the better of him physically. I think he gets um, skinned a lot. I do think he gets skinned a lot. He's not quick. I mean, the Almiron thing was was worrying, wasn't I it? I think he gets skinned more than Ben Davis. I don't actually think Ben Davis really ever gets skinned unless he's playing against somebody obscene. Well, Ben Davies' recovery pace at the weekend, I was really... It, 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 he made up a lot of ground, didn't he, by the time... For that for that first goal. It, when I've I've watched it back about a hundred times, as I said. His recovery pace was decent. And Ben Davies is... Ben I think Davis he's wildly is, underrated, uh, right? Massively. Massively. But we, I think we've got a lot of those players, mate. I think we've got a lot of those players that... That we say that the world massively underrates and then on the flip the football like consciousness thinks we massively overrate them so like Eric Dyer for example I think Eric Dyer's had a very 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 good season 
But I think if you're not a Spurs fan, I don't think you're looking at Eric Dyer, probably because he's not very Hollywood. But I don't think people are looking at Eric Dyer and being like, wow, that guy's mustard, you know? No, and I, I think the, the problem with Eric Dyer is, and this is something else I was banging on about, and I have done a few times, because I agree with you. I think Eric Dyer's been in some of the best form of his career the past few, well, past couple of seasons until the past few weeks when he drops off. And I, I think the problem with Dyer is he needs to learn to like, improve his basement as well you know like because his drop-offs are awful when he's not at it he's like a different player and he 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 plays into a lot of the stereotypes of himself of being this kind of klutz of being pretty much useless when he when he's when he's there because his passing can be all over the shop his kind of his 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 awareness of what's going on around him can just be catastrophic and it, I, f- I felt like it has been that and I just wonder like where does it go mate how how do you how do you drop off so much when you've been playing so well um similar I mean it's funnily enough probably quite similar to Harry Maguire you know who is obviously flavor of the not even flavor of the week anymore is he flavor of the year and he has been appalling but when Harry Maguire is playing well we come on man we all we all remember how good he was in that 2018 World Cup He's absolutely unbelievable. He's one of our best players. He's an absolute revelation. And that's what made Manchester United spend all... I could, did they... He was still at Leicester in the 2018 World Cup, was he? Or had United Yeah, yeah. Just he got the move off the back of it. Yeah, exactly. He got the move off the back exactly. of it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that f- the first season or so at United, he, I, he was a brilliant player, but he just... I, I understand there's been off-pitch things as well with Maguire, so that's probably plays into it. But back to Dyer anyway, it just it feels like they, they have a similar habit of just kind of... When it rains, it pours, you know? And I think that's one of the main things that Dyer needs to really kind of get a grip on. But still, for me, he is our best starting central well, centre-back. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That was the thing that jumped out at me again from from your sort of post match thoughts were that sometimes it takes it takes that alternative for you to be like okay I I, I want Eric Dyer back in there and you instantly felt better when he came onto the yeah. pitch in everything like and that I I think that was the biggest thing that I took away from the weekend and it's something that we all already knew anyway. It does feel like Antonio has a group of players that he trusts sort of 
beyond anything that he absolutely trusts and you have to work so hard to make your way into that group um but then when you see it when you see him make the changes that he makes and suddenly the whole thing makes sense and we're on the front foot you're like uh fair enough do you know what I mean? It's and it, and it, and it's really frustrating because the fan side of you is screaming like, "Please!" Like, just sometimes you're like, "Just go to a four-two-three-one. Like, go and get an extra striker on. Play with the the wide men further forward. Drop Harry Kane into the pocket or whatever." And and but you totally get it. And we, I don't buy into that any of the kind of Mourinho comparison. I, I like it doesn't do it for me. I'm not I'm not there. No. But one, one of, no, not like really, like I'm miles away from that. But one of the things that I, one of the things that I do remember vividly, like really, really clearly from the Mourinho era, and I don't know if this is the same for you, but I remember that he used to make the point, like he used to say all the time, I can't make changes. I can't make a change. Like this, this is so finely balanced that I can't, you're all telling me to bring this player on and that player on. It was mainly about Endombele and Lacelso in a, in a three with Hoybier. I think that was kind of like, or orally skip or whatever we were asking for at the time. Endombele, Lacelso, and who else was it that we wanted to see in the three? I don't know, mate. Those Could you remember that it was yeah, like... Yeah, I do know you mean, but those, those uh, were the we're days, all... weren't they? Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> and we were all screaming out for it. And it was just like, give it a bloody go. Just give it... And he was like, you do not understand it, you bloody idiots. You don't know what you're talking about. And like, even though Mourinho wasn't right for, for Spurs, there was still that point where he was kind of like, I can't tinker with this. I can't just mess around with it because it will all come tumbling down. And, and one of the things that I... One of the best examples of this that I saw recently was in the Lisbon game when he brought Emerson on in the right wing back position. Now, everyone knows Emerson Royal's limitations in terms of his technical ability, crossing. When balls get switched out to him, it takes it a little bit, it takes him a little bit longer to control the ball than someone like Brian Hill, for example. But what you did see when Emerson came on was the structure of the team just looked infinitely better. Like yeah. the shape looked better, his positioning better, which meant that the, the team were on the front foot. It meant that we kind of were able to manipulate the game in a way that we wanted to. And that happened again this weekend, you know, like for, I was desperate to see us rotate to make sure that everyone's fit for the Marseille game. But when he brought those players on, like it all just kind of ticked into place and ticked into view. And I mean, I know you love talking about him anyway, but and the, the biggest case of that is Rodrigo Bentancur at the moment. He's a delicious footballer, isn't he? Like he really saucy. He he, he doesn't. The, the funny thing is, he doesn't even seem like the kind of player that I think even Juventus thought that they had. You know, <laughs> when you heard no. about you, you kind of and we saw it at first. I think because he, I think he spoke not long ago, didn't he, saying that the biggest challenge I've had coming here and playing for Conte is getting my fitness up to spec. And now he feels that he's there, he's going to build his game. And I think we are definitely seeing that before our eyes. It's, I've, I've never sort of seen a footballer so sort of clearly say and describe something that's going on in their game and see the effect of it. You know, it was just one of those things that I, I kind of thought, I see exactly what he's saying because the sort of, I, I don't know if you've seen some of the little compilations about, of just some of his movements, some of his kind of dribbling, during that Bournemouth game, but it's been absolutely unbelievable. Like, and just Mate, his, that, his pace is biz, is he's bizarrely fast, you know? Yeah, he's, rangy, isn't he? I love him. Like, it, I, I it, love him. I cannot believe any he's player, a player we got for fifteen million pounds. Incredible, isn't it? Like any player that can receive the can receive the ball under pressure and look that comfortable, it's a joy. 
It's just a joy. Like Luka Modric is the best example of it. I used to get so much from watching Luka Modric receive the ball with three or four players around him and just not care. Just close control so good. He never gave it away. And I think Ben Tanker, in terms of his close control, we're finally getting to see that kind of, that level of player that can receive a ball in that way. And you not think, oh my God, it's just going to bounce off him here. The thing about Ben Tanker and Modric that they both do, they both have that, funny habit actually of like they don't they don't sort of dribble with the ball as much I mean Modric can and Modric does frequently but what he also does that I notice that Ben Tanker does is they kind of they knock they knock the ball in front of themselves they run onto like a ball but they always knock it away from themselves at an angle so it kind of beguiles yeah. the player that they're going so they'll, they'll kind of knock it out of this diagonal and just kind of run past the player and the player sort of think well hang on he's supposed to be hitting it up there or I don't know it's just it's, it's a funny way in which they kind of manipulate the football they manipulate the space around them that is I would it, love to know what this is called it's got a name and I've been searching for it on Google for weeks I know exactly what you mean it's that thing that you do where you take the ball with your instep or your outstep but but you're you're static and so because you're static the player that's come to close you down is not got their body in a position where they can react and then suddenly they've just got two yards they've got two yards away from that player and you're like how have you done that you know he did it he did it against Newcastle do you remember there was a point where he drove through the middle of midfield and he made the wrong decision on the pass but he just drove through like three or four players in midfield and you're like I didn't think this guy was that quick but I guess it's just his technical ability is so good that the ball is never near a defender that they, they can't get anywhere near it anyway He's he's just obscene. He's so so brilliant, and it's just it's it's. I was I'm quite happy to see him getting a bit of rest, you know, because I do think yeah, he's, he's. We've seen what's happened with Kulisevsky, right? And we don't want to like lose him. Basically, we don't want to lose another one of our important important players. Um, in terms of players who are playing through the tiredness barrier, I think they all are to a degree, and they're all many of them are looking forward to the World Cup. We do have many, many players who are all very important for their national teams. But one guy who just does not seem to stop running and just gives his everything for the club. And man, he's one of the players, honestly, in my, I would say probably my entire life of watching Spurs, I've had one of the biggest about turns on is Pierre-Emile Hoybier. Like, the guy is... And I don't even mean it in the sort of semi kind of derisory way in which, you know, when he gets labelled the the passion merchant, the Viking, all this type of stuff. <laughs> like, the guy is an absolute warrior. He doesn't stop. Um, absolutely fantastic interview this week um, on the BBC. Obviously, we that kind of gives you some understanding about the, the guy's character and his backstory um, a lot more. But... He gave him, you know, you saw him give that massive hug to Conte. He seems like he's one of those players, like, already he's on that level with Conte to be like, yes, like, we got it. And Conte got it immediately. They had that big hug when Conte was talking to the officials. Big smiles, big hugs. I'm just interested to know, mate, because obviously, you know, I am going to tap up your insider knowledge now, mate. I'll get in there. I saw you interviewing him um, not too long ago. What is he like as a bloke? Because it seems from the outside that he is just one of the key figures at the club. He's, he's yeah. dare I say it, he's a captain in waiting, you know? 
So good examples of this that I remember off the bat. When Regulon signed for Spurs, um, Hoybier had just signed for Spurs as well. Like he hadn't been at the club very long. And he was the first person to get hold of Regulon's number to text him to say, are you settling in okay? How are you getting on? Anything you need, you call me. Like, I'm available, I'm around. And I thought at the time, I was like, well, that's interesting. Like, that's that's quite a, that's quite a, that's different, you know. Like, is it, obviously people are polite, but to be the first person to do it at a club that you've just joined is not, that's not posturing. Mm. That's ingrained. That's something that you just do. Um, and that, I thought that was really, really fascinating. I did a little bit of, I did an interview with him um about six months ago, I think. Um, and it was basically about what, what players do away from away from the pitch. And I mean interview was great and he was brilliant. But what struck me was that he was it he was there five minutes before we started and he was exactly as he was told to be. You know, he turned up before we were meant to start in the right attire, ready to go didn't bat an eyelid, knew exactly what was going on. And I mean, you'll know because you've worked with countless players and, and, and influencers and professionals from whatever walks of life. There are some people that turn up ready to go and there are some people that turn up not having a clue. And you always want to work with the people that turn up and know exactly what they're doing. Like it, 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 it can make or break your entire day. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a, there's a kind of an understanding there that everyone else's time has got value as well as your own. Um, and I think that's so rare within the within the f- football space just to get people that really, really understand the value of the people around them. Um, and then one other thing, which I just remember him speaking to us after the game, one of the N17s about Richarlison, just speaking so glowingly about him. And then I had to kind of remind myself that it, it, he's not like, you, you sort of think of him as this like, super old guy he's 27 do you know what I mean you think of him as this guy that's been around forever super experienced and he is very experienced but he's 27 like he's six years younger than me and I'm talking and I was sort of talking to him and thinking like wow this guy's so wise he's so switched on he, he's still a, a young man by by most people's yardstick do you know what I mean he's just and I think the thing that gets forgotten with him a lot is when we signed him, we hadn't had a DM for years. We hadn't had a reliable DM for years. And we were crying out for someone that would come in and be our Mr. 7 out of 10 every single week, like provide a platform for the other players to go and play. And I think this season he's gone on another level. He's not only providing that platform, but then his range of passing, like another brilliant assist. And you sort of think like, just because the type of guy that he is, that that maybe he doesn't, maybe we, again, he's underappreciated for what he is. He's just super, I'm, just, I'm really pleased that he's starting to get the recognition he deserves. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's a case of, oh, people are just waking up. I think he's had to go on another level to oh, get I that agree. recognition. I agree, 100%. And it's, 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 it's passing and it's just it's general reading of the game. It just seems like he's, he's, just so much sharper. And you can imagine he is... I mean, you, you, we're not there on the training ground or anything, but you can just you can see what somebody's character's like. You can you can have an understanding of 
what they would probably be like in training from watching them on the pitch. And you can imagine he's somebody that's probably always looking to improve, that he probably always works his knackers off in training as well, trying to make himself a better player to, you know, to, I don't know, because it seems to be from his interview, you know, it seems to be that after after his father passed away that he was kind of tired of football, tired of life in a way, which, you know, grief, bereavement does things like that to people. And he, he mentioned that since his daughter came along, it gave him a new outlook on life. And it seems to be that he's trying to make up for lost time. So, you know, maybe his career is just back a couple of years and it, than it maybe should have been. But there was something that saw a club like Bayern Munich add him to their squad when he was when he was a young player, you know. So it's... Hopefully we're going to be the benefactors of the uh, Hoybier. I'm trying to think of like how he can turn it into the... Pierre Pierre Oisens Pierre <laughs> uh, I have n- uh, yeah I have I, I'm trying to like we're both relatively creative I would say and I've got absolutely nothing in the locker for you there Pierre Oisens Pierre Emelissons yeah let's go with it's shit isn't yeah. it that is absolutely yeah. useless useless but I do I do know that you mean I think like you kind of Rob Daly, commentator Rob Daly, who, by the way, I don't know, did you? I'm sure you did because I know you text you say like, "Where's Rob?" for the commentary on the Ben Tanker goal at, to make it three two. I missed him. I missed his voice so much this week over the right. highlights. He's just him he's, not he's being just part, on it. Part of the club now, isn't he? That's the thing. No, well, his, his voice is synonymous with with so many big moments, and I want to hear it every time. Every time we get a big result, like I I'm all over it. And I think had the Lisbon like had the the goal against Sporting stood, like that would be one of those moments that we talked about. It, it, just like the Stevie Bergvine goal away at Leicester, it'd be another one of those that we would have in the locker. And it's always Rob's voice that's on it. So I was gutted that it wasn't this weekend. But he talks about. Um, uh, Hoybier as as someone that has not just changed the season in terms of like what he's providing just on the numbers, but he thinks he's playing much further forward. He really wants to stress this point that he's getting up to join attacks in a way that he never was before. And I think that he sort of said to us before that he, he hadn't been asked to do it or it was it wasn't something that he was doing. Sort of, it was just a natural thing that was happening. But I don't know if that's true. I think he's been given. I think he's been given permission to let the leash off a little bit and to actually get into more advanced areas. And we're massively benefiting from that. Massively. It's so, so good to see. And also, we shouldn't leave out Ryan Sessegnon, by the way, who I know is about to be subbed. Like, that hopefully will do huge things for him to have scored that goal. Great finish. It just, it, it was also like, it was one of those things where you, you could just see it. He just wasn't thinking about it. He just picked the ball up and put it in the back of the net. You know, and it's, it's oh, instinctive, isn't it? Too often with him, like you can just see he, he gets himself into a position and straight away he's like, ah, shit, I can't mess this up right now, you know? But yeah, in yeah. that moment, he just, he didn't do that. And that's just, just please, you know, just stay on that, stay on that front, lad, because... Well, like, don't you think when you see him miss a chance and the camera cuts to him and he does that sort of forlorn face... That you think, oh no, Ryan, come on, like get that look off your face, Big like time. just, in, just don't show people that that in any way affected you. One of the things that Harry Kane always goes on about is like he misses a chance, he instantly thinks about the next chance. 
Like that's that's the mentality. That's where you got to be. I'm so desperate for it to go right for Sessegnon. I'm so I'm desperate for it to go right for him. I just hope this that that goal is a bit of a a, a bit of a moment. Speaking about Harry Kane and speaking about hoping for something to go right for them. You are. He's coming towards the end of his contract now, right? We uh, we we need to capitalize on this, right? I mean, who knows what happens after this year and a half that we have him for now? But we kind of get into that 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 moment where you know he's 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 given a lot for the club, right? And I've seen kind of some the past few kind of weeks. And I felt it myself, you know, I don't think he's been at his best. I do think he's a bit leggy. I do think he's probably got one eye on the World Cup. And I don't think that's any slight on any individual player other than maybe Christian Romero, who always has <laughs> fucking one eye, two eyes, two feet, whatever in fucking Argentina. Do you know what I mean? But with Harry Kane, you know, well, I just want that photo of him lifting a trophy, mate, and not oh, a league I'm cup. I'm desperate for it, mate. You know, but I, in a Spurs kit, but, I don't want. I don't want to see him in the City kit lifting a Premier League trophy. I don't like. I don't. Like, that's not the only one I want to see. You know, I want to see him in a Spurs kit at least lifting did, a fucking FA Cup. You know, did it do? Did did you watch the United game on Sunday? What there against West Ham? Yeah. Did no, you no. see the Rashford goal? No, I didn't. I, so the long story short that they win it win it one nil west ham piled the pressure on at the end and really could have should by with the chance that they had but for david de gea they should have drawn one or maybe even won the game 2-1 the the rush for goal to win the game christian eriksen drifts this cross that was on the half volley and there's an angle of it with the cameras low and behind Ericsson and you see his technique and the vision and the weight on the pass. It's just unbelievable. And then Rashford climbs and thumps his header in. But I did have this really stark realisation that as good as Harry Kane is, he still needs someone to be that Christian Eriksen for him. He, he needs someone to be creating opportunities so that he doesn't have to consistently drop into those pockets and be creating chances, not only for himself, but everyone else in the team. He's still our best creator by so far. And I don't, I, I, I think probably the stats will back up the fact that he's still, he's still putting in the yards and he still works very, to be just not human in the way that he can play game after game after game and play 90 minutes every single week. But it would be so much easier for him if we had a creator in the team. Well, I mean, we miss Decky so much, don't we? We just miss him so much, providing that outlet on the right it's an hand unbelievable side. Amount. And it, it's it's so annoying that his injury, and not just his injury, but also kind of when Conte wasn't putting him in the side, it, it just almost sort of forgotten about him. It just feels like such a sort of not forgotten about him in the sense that like because his his absence is like keenly felt, but it's it's. It's more just like he's just not—he's not relevant to the to the team at the moment, you know. And it's such a shame because he's just such an unbelievable player. Like the way he ended last season, he looked like one of the best players in the world, and I mean that genuinely. Like he looked unstoppable. He looked absolutely yeah. His output was ridiculous as well, wasn't it? Just yeah. the technique on his crossing, for example. You know, when you do that, you'd cut in 
onto his left foot and you knew what he was going to do, but it didn't matter. You know, that was like Bale was doing that sort of thing. Yeah. And just the fact we're missing... I mean, this is this is one of those things, though, isn't it? Post-World Cup, we'll hopefully have him back fit and firing. And that's when you can maybe start to think, well, you know, if we go into the World Cup with a decent kind of, you know, not too much kind of... Is he definitely out until us? after the World Cup? Is well, that... I, I, no is idea, that... mate. It all seems... He's, he's not been training again today, head of the Marseille game, so... It sounds like he's just not in a very good place at all. Um, it was so good. Like, genuinely, it gave me such a lift and such a buzz to see him training on the pitch the other day. Hammies are just one of those shitty injuries, though, aren't they? They're so, like... They just take so long to come back from. And there just seems to be no clear route to recovery, really, with them. That they can just kind of fluctuate so much in that path. Yeah, and and you don't want to get it wrong either. That's the thing you 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 get it wrong once, and sometimes players are not the same again. You know, you don't want that to be the case for him. He's so young, just like right, just take what it take whatever time that it takes to get right. There's four five weeks of no football for, for him. He doesn't have to be ready until the twenty sixth of December. Do you know what I mean? If it that's a huge plus for us, by the way. Knowing that you've got one of those players coming back and ready to go that doesn't have to go to the World Cup. I feel you again, it's another really great point that you made is that we seem to have an un sort of almost unnatural amount of players that are so central to what their country will be doing over the course of the World Cup. I think we just have to hope that a few of them get knocked out very early. I stole that point from a lad called Mark Nesbitt and I, I highlight that because he'll start whinging. Harvard reference him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he likes to piss and moan on Twitter a lot. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Mark. It's, don't don't, don't apologise. Don't even grace him. Even <laughs> let his name leave your, leave your mouth, mate. Um, Champions League tomorrow. I mean, people can say, oh, we only need to draw out of it, but it's a must. It's a must-win game. I saw... An interesting interview. Derek Redman, the the Olympian, if you've ever seen it, he injured himself running around the track and his father helped him across the finishing line. It's one of those iconic Olympics images. But he, uh, his, his father recently passed away and he, he held an interview saying, like, you know, what was one of the, what was one of the main sort of things your, your dad used to say? Because he was very close with his dad. His dad used to help him with his training and everything like that. And he, he, he was... He, he said his, his, his dad once said to him, you know, you have to go into every single race, whether you're going to win it, whether you're going to break it or not, you have to go into every single race, like wanting to break a world record because otherwise what's the point? What's the point of kind of getting out there to race if you're not setting your sights on being the best that there possibly can be? So in a hackneyed way, this is what I'm saying to Tottenham Hotspur, right? <laughs> we, there's none of this like we can get through on a draw. no. You you cannot you cannot play for a draw. You can't. If if you've watched football for any length of time, you surely know you never play for a draw. You can't. This is a must-win game. It is. There's a lot of instability at Marseille at the moment. There's a lot of problems going on. But as our good friend Jude Summerfield has tweeted, it doesn't matter if there's instability going on at Tottenham <laughs> because Tottenham got knocked out of the Europa by a team who's fucking manager was in prison at the time. <laughs> so we've got we've got form for this type of thing. Um it would be mate honestly 
emotionally, mentally, physically, <laughs> spiritually, I cannot take us getting not making it through the group stage in the Champions League. No, I need it. We need we it. Have and to. <sighs> next stage is like if we get knocked, it's not fine. But you get knocked out in the in the round of sixteen after the groups. That happens. It's the Champions League. But to not make it for the groups after all our seeing Arsenal get battered everywhere they go, oh what a night, all that type of stuff, it cannot it cannot happen to us. And it must not happen to us. I'm desperate for us. Like we, we, we have to go through. We have to go through. And the thing is, right, is I, I I, not only do I want to see us go through, of course I do, but I want to see us win this game and go through top of the group yeah. so that we can at least then get a look at a couple of the teams maybe that are not flying. You know, that it would be for us to draw and then potentially come second and maybe have to face Real Madrid, PSG, Bayern Munich, Napoli. You know, I d- you just don't... Why give any chance of having to face those sides like what why would you if you can get through top of the table go after it i I always panic when you're in that situation where people say oh a draw's enough like that's that's why i think antonio was so livid and got sent off after the goal was ruled out um last week it's because it's not about the fact that like we didn't win a game it's it's all of the dominoes that fall off the back of it. Right now, we would have been watching the video on the Spurs Twitter of like 15 children getting on a plane had that goal stood because we won the group. We don't need to worry. It's all taken care of. We're, we're completely relaxed. Now it's another game that those players have to play. It's even more emotional stress, even more emotional energy, all of the prepping. Like If you just think about that again, but with this lens... If Spurs win tomorrow and go through top of the group, and then let's just say that they manage to draw, I don't know, let, let's say they, they manage to get Porto. I'm not Again, I'm not shitting on Porto. I'm not saying Porto are a bad side. They're a very good side. But that would be the draw that you'd look at and be like, it'd be nice if we could get them, given that they've come probably second in Group B. You think, well, suddenly that could be the difference between having to play a full-strength team and and maybe being able to rest a few people in what will be a mad congested period again when we get into the knockout stages. I just I'm with you, mate. I don't want to see us go and play for a draw. It drives me mad. It's too much tension. It's too much stress. It's, it feels like we haven't the. It feels like we haven't had a game like Everton in forever. Do you know what I mean? When we won two 0 and it just felt very comfortable and it, and it was it just was nice and relaxed. It feels like we haven't had one of them in ages. Everything has been sort of quite stressful recently. It would be nice to just go and see Tottenham put on a good performance and buy a bit of breathing room. But it, it's, it never plays out that way, does it? With know, us, it's I never like mean, that. You just, I just want that in like in the first sort of three to four minutes. One of those where Kane just spots the runner Son, dinks it through. Son just picks it up in his stride and just kind of just strokes it past the keeper. You know, like we've seen those two do a record amount of times now, lest we forget, that they just seem to have just kind of not quite clicked into gear with one another this season, right? Just just to do that. Just just one of those three, four minutes in, one nil up, kind of take it easy for a bit. Then just before half time, Kane gets a decent opportunity, twats it in the top corner, two nil, half time, 
and we know we we know we're going through at that point. You know, that's just. That's and then just... you hear the crowd turn a little bit on on Marseille. You know, people start to leave the stadium, and you think, right, let's just wind this down. Nice, a nice Gendouzi red card about sixtieth minute. Oh, you know delicious! I mean? Absolutely delicious. Like, and so maybe Alexis Sanchez getting subbed off after sixty. Having you know, nothing. because they two, two or three and, touches of the ball. Perfection, <laughs> perfection. Why is there so many fucking Arsenal players in this, man? Do you know and I mean? West Ham as well. Why? It's so annoying and it's so on brand, isn't it? Spurs need to go away and get a result in the final game of the Champions League group stage to make sure they get to the knockouts. Oh, look, there's a bunch of like, like complete sort of people that we have made a, a sort of like almost like a fan career out of disliking other people that we got to get past. Professional Spurs haters. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Part-time footballers, full-time Spurs haters. Like, it's more like like Gendouzi's just such a little shitbag, you know? Leaning out of the window, celebrating. That's where my mind goes immediately. And Alexis Sanchez, like, not even for Arsenal, for Man United. Do you remember when we went to go and watch the... FA Cup semi-final I do mate I do it just it, 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 I just it, we just need this tomorrow I know like, it sounds a little bit sort of emotionally on the edge we just need for this season we just need to get through tomorrow just put a few little bits to bed just let the noise stop for a little while and then weirdly enough I think when you get to the World Cup I think we can all just relax a little bit. If we get to the World Cup, still in the top four, through to the knockout stage of the Champions League, comfortably through in the League Cup, like, I'm ready to almost do the whole season again when we get to Boxing Day. Do you know, like, I sort of, it, it, we'll, we'll have to treat it as two separate seasons. It's like because the, COVID, the league is COVID thing again, isn't it? Totally, totally. The league's won in January, Feb, isn't it? Always, every year. That's when the league's won. So, like... So long as you're there or thereabouts, I'm not saying that we're going to win the league. I just, I just want to know that Tottenham are still in that group of teams when we come back to the start and we've not got an uphill battle. Be nice, wouldn't it? It's not too much to ask for, is it? Is it? Is it really? <laughs> Chance to be a fine thing, no. mate. Um, just before we we close this one off, Banshees of Inner Sharing. What, what, what are your top line thoughts? Oh, mate, one of, one of the genuinely one of my favourite films of all time. Really? That Up good. There already. I, I loved it. I loved it. I was... Now, I know no, you no, went no, into... Spo- like, should you, we do this? Let's do this spoiler safe, by the way. Spoiler safe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, you you, you went... Like, in, look, I'm a member of the Church of Komodo Mayo. Do you know what I mean? I would never do a... <laughs> never, disrespe- never disrespect the, the listeners with a spoiler. But it, um, I was ready to go and see that film, if that makes sense. I knew what I was getting myself in for and I was totally ready to sort of like inject it into my veins. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure if people have seen the trailer, they'll know roughly what the film is about and and where the film goes because within the first five seconds of the trailer, they sort of talk about the idea of almost like, it's like two friends breaking up with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's just so much to it. It was just, and I loved the way that it was shot. Like it was so beautifully scenic and the characters within it were so sort of, lots of them just steeped in metaphor, but also some really literal stuff, which was just amazing. Um, And the acting as well. I I was, I just thought it was phenomenal. What did you think? Just much of what you've said, mate. I mean, Gleeson is absolutely amazing in it. He's unbelievable. I mean, Colin Farrell's brilliant as well, but I just thought, 
Brendan Gleeson. Like, completely like, steals the show. He's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I think the main thing I would say to anybody, and it isn't a spoiler or anything, who is going to watch it, is um, just, you know, be prepared. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's heavy watching. It's not... It's not one if you're uh, if you're not in a in a great place and you want to go and watch something to cheer you up, maybe you know watch I don't know whatever Black Adam or some other sort of Marvel type thing because this ain't uh, this ain't sunshines and rainbows. It's a real kind of deep look into I guess male ego, toxic masculinity. I guess in a in a sense to some extent, yeah, yeah, and just it's, it's also looking at I suppose it's also looking at. Uh, the, the realization of mortality as well, mm-hmm. the understanding that that time is is not infinite. Legacy, um, yeah. Le- I mean, legacy definitely. I mean, that was that was it, it, I, I, that point that you just made about being in the right place to watch it. I remember I, I'd I'd never watched The Sopranos, and so, one of our mutual friends said to me that, mate, how have you not watched The Sopranos? Like it's the greatest TV show of all time. Was that and I was again? like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, right, well, let's 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 give this a go then. And I sat down to watch it, and at the time, I wasn't in a particularly good place. I just had to turn it off. It was just too. It was too much. Like it was too close to everything that I didn't want to confront at that time. And so I just thought, no, I'm just not doing this. And I had to leave it for about eighteen months and come back to it. But this is definitely one of those. I think there'll be people who might not be ready who will sit down to watch the film and they'll get about 20 minutes in and they'll realise, they'll look down and see that they've been gripping onto their seat for 20 minutes. There's not a moment really of relief in the first 20, 30 minutes of the film and it's just building and building and building, but so gently as well that you don't even realise how much tension there is in it. It's just wonderful. Like It's so, so good. Go and watch it, <laughs> basically. Yeah, well, like, do you know what I did? What I want, I've been looking for online since I've watched it, and this is how I know that it's a film that's moved me. I've been desperately trying to find a review of the film where someone has just gone on and said, "This is what I think happened within the film," because I've spoken to five people who have gone to see the film within the last few days, and they've all said a totally different thing about what they think happened, which is just amazing. I love that. It, yeah. Go and see it; it's wicked. Yeah, exactly. If you if you if you're tired of the misery of watching Spurs, <laughs> go watch the misery <laughs> of the Banshees of Inisherin. <laughs> a deep, dark expose into legacy, life, death, and <laughs> what it means to be a person. What's the point yeah, of our if if, of if our Spurs time do on this planet, <laughs> on this mortal if Spurs coil. do lose to Marseille tomorrow, don't go and see the Banshees of Inisherin. That will that'll be enough to send you over the edge. But if they win, then fine. Fingers crossed they win.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.